how I would define grounding. I can give you the one hour definition or I can give you the, the one sentence. And the one sentence is being in electrically conductive contact with the earth. What's happening is your body is discharging to the same electrical potential. Why is the earth the way that it is? Why is it electrically conductive? Why is there a, a negative surface charge? This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we got Rob, a.k.a. the Grounded Athlete, a.k.a. Earth Poppy on the line. Honored guest. What's up, Rob? What's up, guys? Super excited. Super excited to be here. Uh, talk about some some fun stuff today. And Ryan, how are you doing today? I feel like it's been a minute since we've done a podcast. It's been like yeah, it only hit something. me today that so like the, the episodes being released time. this week were like, I'm not in any of them. Which which is totally fine, but uh, I'm excited for today's episode particularly because I, I want this episode to be like the reference episode I send to everybody that asks me about grounding because everybody asks me about it. And I feel like I really do a really bad job of explaining how it works and it makes it sound less real after I explain it to them. So I'm going to use this as like my premiere reference episode that I just send to all my friends and family. So I'm very excited <laughs> to do that. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking pre-show how Rob's website, The Grounded Athlete, has like the most information in one place about grounding. So first of all, you should all definitely check that out and we're going to dive into this. But yeah, I like that idea. This will just be like the grounding episode for everyone to send to it. And, and it's quite funny because I feel like grounding has kind of blown up in the past six months. I, I don't know. I think every health, esoteric health person on Twitter now has written a grounding thread that's gotten over like a thousand likes. I just saw another one yesterday. And a lot of it, you know, they're all good, but I still think a lot of them miss some, these are some of the deeper stuff. But I guess starting out, Rob, how did you get into this topic, health topics in general? And how did you fixate, you know, so much on grounding? Because this is a you know, it is a pretty esoteric topic. It's pretty specific. Yeah. And like going back on your Instagram, you've been doing this for what, like four or five years at least, right? Yeah. Um, and to go back on what you guys had talked about, really, I mean, this last year has been really big for the practice of grounding. Uh, like in, in like the last five years that I've really, I've tried to be a spokesperson for it. It's, it took a while for it to kind of catch on, but this year you've got a lot of bigger names talking about it, which is awesome because the word's getting out. Um, but yeah, and, and so when I've, when I've listened to people talk about it in the past, you know, it was, it was really hard for me to get convinced about this stuff because like, you know, people were saying, just go outside, go be barefoot, connect to the earth. It's really good for your health. But I'm like, I'm the person that's like, how, how is it good for my health? Like, can you explain to me? the specifics of why it's good for my health. And so that's where I kind of wanted to step in and kind of be that spokesperson for grounding. 
And like, all I need is, you know, 30 minutes, an hour with somebody, two hours to really convince them of what's going on. You give me a whole day with somebody, I can completely convince them that grounding is a real thing. And it's, it's amazing for their health. But uh, yeah, so how I got into it. Um, so I've been, I've been an athlete for long time now. And I was essentially just looking for ways that I could kind of take my performance to the next level. And eventually I, I, I stumbled across this podcast with uh, Clint Ober. Um, Casey's done a, a podcast with Clint and Clint's a, he's a really cool guy. He's a big pioneer in the world of grounding. Um, so, and I was super skeptical at first. I was like, ah, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. Just go be barefoot. And all of these things are going to happen. But, um, yeah, I started doing it. I started implementing it. I started sleeping grounded or I started taking grounded lunch breaks. I would ground before I worked out after. And I noticed immediately, I was like, wow, my workouts are going so much better. I'm feeling so much better. I'm sleeping so much better. I'm recovering so much better. Why is this? And then from there, it's like my obsession kind of took off. And then beyond that, I realized how many other great things are happening in the body when you ground. And then from there, like the rest is history. So five years later, I'm, I'm doing this now and I'm, I'm trying to spread the word as much as I can. Yeah, that's that's cool. And I think Clint Ober is yeah, I mean, he is like the the father of grounding. I would say at least in the modern the modern sense of it, right? Um and I remember listening to him. I think it was on a Ben Greenfield podcast probably because that's all I listened to like 45 years ago. <laughs> and uh, to me, I I was so fascinated because he started talking about, you know, the negative voltage potential of like the human body and how inherently it's uh a lot, you know, I guess lower in negative potential than it should be because people are so disconnected. And I, I was like an electrical engineer. I am an electrical engineer, but um, I was like so fascinated by this like bridge between, you know, uh, I guess electrical energy and just like, you know, electromagnetism and health. Um, and, and that's why I kind of fixated on it. And for me, like getting out in nature was like a very big part of my healing from like uh, post concussive syndrome. So I was on board right away. But then I kind of didn't really, and I bought one of his grounding mats to sleep on, but I didn't really, you know, dive deep um, into things. I didn't dive deep really into a lot of health things, especially the stuff I talk about now until the past year. Um, but it, it really, I was just like on board. And yeah, I, th I think I felt like a good amount better in general whenever I was just out in nature. But Ryan, I'm curious, when did you hear about grounding and get convinced that it's this pretty was funny like actually because i remember thing. like a year and a half ago having conversations with a friend of mine chris who i knew in the health space it was like all the sort of all the like carnivore primal type people i was talking to at the time and we kept talking about like i kept seeing things about grounding pop up from various other health influencers and i would message him and i'm like man i just don't know like i don't think it's negative but i don't know like how positive it is like, I don't know what, I don't know what the exact result is. Like, is it, is it a game changing result? And I, I just didn't, I, I wasn't convinced that it was like a game changing thing. Sort of like how I didn't think that like sunlight was a game changing thing either. At the time I was so food focused. And I felt like that's kind of where the community was at like a year and a half ago anyways, was like super food focused. And like, that's, sort of the, the, I think the, the way most people's journeys go is they find these various things that kind of expand their knowledge, uh, or they stop. But I mean, for me, that's, 
that's kind of when I first heard about it. And then it was really interesting because I didn't know how far uh, grounding or the idea about uh, grounding had reached until I was talking to a potential client the other day on the phone and discovery call. And he was somebody that was a former alcoholic. And he said in AA, they talk about grounding now as a thing that you should be doing, which I found really fascinating. I don't think they really get into the mechanism or any of that stuff, but they talk about it being like beneficial for keeping on track and like your mental health and like all this stuff, which I thought was really interesting in like AA meetings. So I found that was really cool. But I decided about, I don't know, eight months ago, six, seven months ago, uh, to just try and be grounded outside throughout the day as much as possible. So started taking all my meetings outside, started eating like all my meals outside, um, got like grounding sandals and stuff or just be barefoot or sometimes have one sandal on and the other foot with no shoe for some reason, like I'm doing right now because I'm just too lazy to take off the other shoe. Um, and I felt pretty dramatic results, primarily in my sleep. I noticed like for almost the last six months straight, I haven't had to get up in the middle of the night to pee at all. And I really didn't change anything about my day other than being outside more. And then I couldn't say if it was being outside or being outside and grounded because I just did both at the same time. But either way, that one shift like dramatically impacted my sleep. Like we were um, camping the other day and I guess there were a bunch of motorcycles driving around the lake that we were at camping. And everyone else in our camping group was like constantly being woken up by this stuff. And I was just dead straight through it, just slept, had no problems. And like, I, I attribute that to being like more connected and just just not in uh, a negative electrical environment. I kind of want to get into, like we'll probably get into it later in the podcast with, with Rob, but I want to talk about like grounding mats and like the grounding sheets and like all these things because it's sort of like with uh, EMF protection stuff. I don't know what's legit and what's bullcrap. And so I'd love to know your thoughts on like what makes something real and uh, have a positive impact versus what's something that like, I, I just get sketched out. We talked about this with Stephen, Huff, uh, Stephen Hussey on the podcast about these like things you plug into the wall and it's like, are you just getting negative electric field from like that environment? Like what's that grounded? Should I be running a copper wire, which I've done. I'll run a copper wire through my window and just tie it around my ankle through the window sometimes or my wrist or something like that. But mm -hmm. that's kind of where my grounding journey started. I know I went on a long-winded answer, but... Uh, yeah. No, yeah, that's good. I will have to pin those questions for sure. because those are all great, great topics. Tristan, but I didn't know, back I didn't to know you were an uh, electrical, electrical engineer. That's like super cool. That makes this conversation... Yeah, like so yeah, I, I, yeah. That's why this is all so fascinating. It's funny because I... I got a master's degree in electrical engineering, but my last year of school, I was concussed. So honestly, and you know, I was a college athlete too. So you know how that goes. And imagine engineering school plus college athlete, you're pretty much just like fucked in terms of time. Yeah. You're just cramming all this information. Electrical engineering, yeah, it sounds fascinating. You know what I did all day, every day was just calculus. Yeah. Like <laughs> I took every single class after second year is just a different version of calculus. So I really don't, you know, a lot of that stuff just didn't resonate with me. And then I got concussed for a year and a half. So I'm kind of like relearning a lot of things, but the foundational principles, of course, are still there and the interest is still there. So yeah, it's super, super cool. But 
going back to to your story, and now my day job is an electrical engineer, but I'm more on the business side of things. Sweet, so sweet. Uh, I'm not like designing circuits on a daily basis, uh, or else I'd probably have a much uh, stronger technical knowledge. But back to your story. So you you decided that grounding or you realized that grounding had a pretty profound impact on your performance. I'm assuming it's mostly track is what you focused on. And then you kind of just ran with it from there, no pun intended, and just like full send into starting to, you know, make this brand or, or how did you kind of realize that you wanted to like get into this space, grow the message and eventually build a, you know, a brand around it? Um, yeah, I've, I've been a quarter mile, quarter miler for the last 15 years or in the, the 400. That's been my baby. Um, I've, I've fought amateur and kickboxing. I've done Olympic weightlifting competitions. Um, but really track's been my baby. Um, so after, after I kind of became obsessed and just did every, all the research that I could possibly do on the subject, I just started making videos for people. I was like, okay, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to compile all this stuff and try and make it digestible. So I just started popping out videos one after the other. And, uh, it took a while for people to kind of start catching on to them, but eventually they started to get a little traction. Um, and now, you know, here we are four years later. Um, it's, it's getting, it's pretty, it's getting a little bit bigger. Uh, but yeah, I called it the grounded athlete because, um, partially because I was, I was an athlete at the time. I still am, but, uh, the whole, the brand, the grounded athletes, it's not meant to just kind of focus on me because, I don't think it's meant to be exclusive by any means because I think everybody's an athlete. I think everybody's innately an athlete if they foster it and nurture it um, throughout their life. But um, yeah, so I just I started making videos. The sandals came along. Um, I started writing a book a couple of years ago. Um, that's kind of starting to get finalized right now, and I've got a few other projects that I'm working on, but. Um, yeah, the whole the whole goal with 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 this with all of this is, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to sell anything. Is I'm I'm trying to the only thing I'm I'm selling people is something that's free, and that's partially why it might never take off is because it's free. Like you can't make any money. You can't make any money off of go telling somebody to go be barefoot. Like that doesn't um, pharma pharma isn't making any money off of that. So, but uh, yeah, that's mm, here I am now. I'm, I'm still making the videos and I'm still trying to pop out really good high quality content about this this very special. So funny track. you bring it I know you mentioned track just a second ago. I just had an anecdote because I ran track in early my early high school career, like sophomore through junior year. Um and I was I was you I just thought it was funny because you mentioned like four hundred being your baby. I I hate the four hundred. The four hundred <laughs> sucked for me. And I it's just because I'm a really bad sprinter. I never developed like the fast yeah. twitch. I had like the long slow twitch muscles. So I always ran like the mile. Um, and then yeah, mostly the mile. And then I got into like some cross country stuff that I was way better at, but my first lap, I swear to God, I was dead last every goddamn time. It was so frustrating. And I feel like maybe that's why I ended up placing better was because it frustrated me so much by the end of the first lap, I was just pissed. So I would pace my way up and then eventually I get up towards the front, but Man, the 400, uh, I remember my coach like was like, yeah, you should try the 400 because I was doing the 800 and mile primarily. And even the 800 was like almost not enough time for me to get any pace. I'd always end up like middle of the pack on 800. But 
the 400, he would push me to do 400 all the time. And I swear it would just like ruin my track day every time. I was like almost, I don't want to like, I don't want to say I was last every time, but I pretty much was last every time except one that I can remember. And it was the most frustrating, most frustrating distance ever. I just, I look at, a, a lot of it, it's it's a fun I, race. Yeah. It's a fun race. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at tracks and get trapped. <laughs> they call it the they call it the man's race because really it's just who can tolerate who can do- tolerate the most concentrated pain in their ass. <laughs> um, it's a it's a lot of pain in the ass cheeks. But um, yeah, I think in in training today, a lot of those distance runners they don't realize how powerful that uh, that sp- that speed training can really impact their, no, the true. longer runs because. Yeah, if you really think about it, the faster the faster I can make someone over 10, 20, 30 meters, the more potential they have oh, as the distance gets longer. I mean, you've got other things to, to develop, like the cardio and everything. But overall, like the speed, you have a lot more potential if you're really fast over 10 meters to be really fast over like, let's say, a mile. But uh, that's something that's really neglected in, in training and this track is- athletes. Today, yeah, and this is something I noticed about um, training in general. As I've started to train like only outside, now I'm not I'm not by any means like the the most like hardcore like weightlifting or or anything. Just because my parasympathetic my my parasympathetic like response or my sympathetic response is like higher than than I'd like sometimes, so I, I easily get stressed and then kind of harshes my recovery. But I do notice like ever since I started primarily working out outside, I haven't been in a gym in like two months. Um, my recovery is like better. And I feel like I don't fatigue as fast. Like I feel like I could have a longer session and like I just don't need to take the same amount of recovery time. And so I, I, I go back and forth in my head is like, is that the sun? Is that the drowning? Is it both those things? Probably. But I'd love to get into some of the mechanism right. of like why that is and why it's maybe important to prioritize like outdoor training time and like rounded training. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah. Track's kind of tricky too, because like you're training on a rubber track. So, so, so there's really no escaping kind of that, that insulated training, but, um, that is, that is one of the chapters that I wrote. It's, it's called earth and performance, but it's basically all, all about how grounding affects, um, your, your performance, your recovery. But, uh, yeah. And there, there's a lot of different topics we can, we can go over today, but, um, I mean, it'd be nice to cover as many as we can in, in a little, in the short amount of time that we have. However long you guys want to go, like I'm, I'm ready to go. So yeah, I mean, yeah, let's just cover like this is high level. So let's start it. What is grounding? You know, what is it? Why is it beneficial at the high level? And then we can kind of dive deeper into the layers because yeah, there's a lot more than than people realize, and I think it's important to know. And then um, you know where this comes from, how this affects our body's health. Because a lot of people don't understand, you know, the electromagnetic side of our health in general. And then, yeah, the products and things. And of course, the sandals, we can kind of dive into how those function. And yeah, like the mats and everything that Ryan was talking about. I think that'd be a good idea. So basic, what is grounding, Rob? Um, Yeah, before we get into that, I want to mention something really quick. 
I think my camera goes for like an hour and a half. So if it dies, I'll swap out the battery. We'll get back into it. Um, but yeah, so what is grounding? No and before I answer, Tristan, it'd be nice to hear your 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 thought on this, What how you would define grounding. Oh, okay. Wow. This is uh, on the spot here. <laughs> no, for me, for me, uh, yeah, I mean... The Earth's surface is a, you know, a pool of, of free electrons, right? Uh, which is mostly coming from, you know, lightning strikes, uh, which I believe is, is coming from the ionosphere. And then solar wind uh, has like a factor in that. So I actually wrote this down like not too long ago. There's like 44 flashes of lightning, like a second. Mm-hmm. Each lightning strike has like three, 300 million volts, 30,000 amps. That's like a shit ton of power. I mean... I think that's a terawatt of power. The average lightning star- that varies, of course. But anyway, the Earth's surface is like a pool of like free electrons. And for the history of life, uh, every mammal has been directly connected to that um, Earth's surface. And if you know anything about our mitochondria, which is the energy powerhouse of ourselves, the cells, the input to that is is electrons. Food we eat just gets broken down to electrons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the currency of energy is electrons. So this is very important. And yeah, grounding is, is that process of absorbing those free electrons on the surface of the earth, uh, going from, you know, a less or going from the diffusion process of uh, something that's more negatively charged to less negatively charged flow of electrons. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I see grounding as. Awesome. Um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a really good definition. Um, it's it's cool. I mean, it's cool your occupation because it's, it's nice to have your insight here. Um, but yeah, a couple a couple things there. Uh, what is grounding? And then you talked a little bit about the earth circuit. So I guess we can talk about that. Um, so how I, how I could, how I would define grounding, I can give you the one hour, the one hour definition, I think, or I can give you the, the, the one sentence and the one sentence is being in electrically conductive contact with the earth. And that's either by direct means being in direct contact with the earth or indirect means through footwear, um, grounding sheets, grounding mats, um, but essentially what's happening is your body is discharging to the same electrical potential of the earth. Um, so electrostatics teaches that when two conductive contact, when two conductive uh, materials with different electrical potentials come into contact, they'll equalize to the same electrical potential. So you talked a little bit about the earth circuit. So uh, when we, when we connect electrically to the earth, you know, why is the earth, why is the earth the way that it is? Why is it electrically conductive? Why is there a, a negative surface charge um, at the, at the earth's surface? And that's due to various uh, cosmological atmospheric uh, phenomena. One of them is, is solar radiation coming into um, the atmosphere and literally ripping molecules apart and ionizing um, uh, these molecules in the ionosphere. And these ions, um, these ions kind of get, they get pushed around everywhere through ionospheric winds. Um, so that's a factor in it. Um, thunderstorms is a really big one. Um, one that isn't really talked about uh, is uh, radioactive decay. So in the Earth's uh, crust, we have things like uh, uranium and thorium, which undergo radioactive decay. Um, and they basically shoot out these uh, alpha, gamma, beta particles, and particularly these beta particles can contribute to the Earth's negative surface charge. 
But uh, the big one is thunder or lightning strikes. So in and what is what is a lightning strike? So in a storm cloud, there's a separation of charges at the top, middle, the bottom of the cloud. So it's this separation of charges. Um, and when that separation reaches a, a critical threshold, uh, air molecules start to kind of break apart and it creates this ionized channel called the, um, the lightning channel. And that is essentially a transfer of, of thousands of amps into the Earth's surface, um, negative charge into the Earth's surface and, and positive charge back up into the upper atmosphere. Um, so that contributes greatly. At any one time, there's like one to 2,000 thunderstorms going on around the world at any, at any one moment. And that's, that's thousands of lightning strikes, you know, a minute. Um, and that's, that's constantly contributing to that surface charge. And it's that surface charge that we, we plug our electrical systems into for stability, safety, balance. It's a, it's a really helpful mechanisms to keep, to keep excessive uh, electrical energy from, from harming our equipment and from, from harming our body. But uh, yeah, answering the big question, it's just being in electrical contact with the earth. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, it's like pretty simple. And the way I see it is, yeah, going back to this, it's just like we are beings of the earth. Like we need to be connected to this surface because all other animals are connected. We've always been connected um, and we could talk about the advent of, you know, rubber soled shoes, but yeah, electrically. And I think what's funny too, is people always think like ground electrically is zero, which is not really true. It's like this very minor, uh, negative voltage, um, just like a couple hundred millivolts. Right. But, um, I think that's funny because yeah, it's, it's discharging that energy. That's like a really great way to put it. But, um, yeah, Ryan, no, I was just I was gonna have like a natural follow up to that is like why is it important to to like have that connection? Um, because I because I don't think people think about that. It's sort of like why I mean I, I know I bring up light a lot, but it's sort of like people think like a light bulb. All all light is all light's purpose is is to see, but there's so many of these nuances within light and the different wavelengths of light that are important. So I feel like it's similar with grounding. Like we've gone from whatever, a pretty high percentage of outdoor like work life, like pre fifties and stuff to like 90% indoor lifestyles, not grounded or grounded maybe in the wrong ways. And I think we can talk about that stuff too, is like, when is it appropriate to be grounded and when is it not? Um, but like, why is that an important connection to have? Yeah. Um, well, um, from an evolutionary standpoint, humans have been in electrical contact with the earth for uh, most of our time here on the planet. And it's, it's relatively recent, the, the invention of rubber soles, like in the last, you know, hundred or so years that we've, we've kind of insulated, we've insulated ourselves from that, from that surface charge. And I don't know if you guys have heard the quote, uh, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, but that actually came from Humphrey O'Sullivan, who was an Irish immigrant who uh, immigrated to the U.S. and he patented the first rubber uh, rubber shoe sole in the U.S. Um, that's a lie, but I thought it'd be a good story to tell you guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's only it's a, it's only in the last hundred years that we've really begun to separate ourselves from the Earth's surface charge. And if, if you really think about it, 
a lot's happened in that time frame as far as uh, the rise in non-communicable uh, inflammatory chronic disease. Um, but yeah, your body is, is meant to be in electrical contact with the earth 24-7, 365. And if you're not, this, this essentially just throws your body's whole electrical homeostasis off balance, which is going to, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect everything in your body. So. so with that being said, I guess getting into the more specifics of this, right? Like grounding, you go online, you read like the average Twitter thread, which there's probably a hundred of them now. And it says grounding is anti-inflammatory. Um, you know, it's great for blood flow. It's good for, you know, it's an antioxidant. So maybe we start with like the anti-inflammatory, antioxidant piece. Because um, I think that's probably what people yeah. hear the most. Yeah. And I think the antioxidant thing is is probably something that actually most people are, are mm-hmm. familiar with that term because it's been pushed down our throats from the food perspective and the supplements perspective and grounding earthing offers kind of different, you know, the same, but different, but, but better in terms of that. So maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Why is grounding anti-inflammatory and an antioxidant? Yeah, you guys are awesome hosts. You're just a- asking all the right, all the I right would think, by the way, I, I just want to jump oh, in real quick. I think that anti-inflammatory, what, cause that's like the number one thing, like even for my posts that I've done, is like give you like 15 seconds of like, oh, it's anti-inflammatory. And I'll show this study and I'll show a little graph that shows a picture of someone inflamed. And then it's the flare. It's the yeah. thermal <laughs> images. I honestly, but, but I hate it's, those. it's the visual, it's the visual BS. thing from a, cre- from a but creative it's aspect. Visual, it's like yeah. people like seeing this, but red, bad. Yeah. Blue, yeah. I just had to throw that in there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sorry guys, I'm sipping. But on, yeah, I'm we, sipping we love grounding so, uh, right now, so please okay. forgive me. Um, Rob loves plastics. <laughs> we love grounding, so that's uh, yeah. Why we're good so hosts. that's that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing with grounding is uh, you hear, well, grounding's anti-inflammatory, but um, not tech, not technically. Um, it's a so it's it's reducing something that's very closely related to inflammation. And that's oxidative stress. So you mentioned uh, antioxidants and free radicals and all that. So I guess we can talk about that a little bit. So uh, what are these? Well, let's 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 talk about disease first. So um, a lot of the diseases that plague modern society are these chronic inflammatory conditions. So um, um, heart disease, uh, cancer, diabetes, neurodegenerative, autoimmune conditions. Uh, what you'll find uh, as a common denominator within these conditions is uh, inflammation, but also its twin sister, which is oxidative stress. So where you find inflammation, you're going to find oxidative stress, and that's where grounding starts to come in. So what oxidative stress is, is it's an imbalance in reactive oxygen species or the free radicals you hear of and the antioxidants uh, in your body. So what, uh, what these reactive oxygen species are, are basically these, um, these reactive species of oxygen with unpaired electrons in their outer orbitals. So they need electrons in order to stabilize themselves. And so they'll just go around your body and they'll steal electrons from other molecules and they essentially create this chain reaction of events um, that's, that, mo- that may ultimately lead to oxidative stress more often than not. Um, so... 
how are these how are these free radicals created? These reactive oxygen species. Well, there's a couple of different mechanisms. One uh, is actually it's it's through uh, mitochondrial respiration, cellular respiration, uh, literally the air you breathe. So when you think of um, of cellular respiration, you think of you know uh, glycolysis and Krebs cycle and electron transport chain and all that. And it's particularly in that electron transport chain. Um, so within that, uh, that inner mitochondrial matrix, you have the electron transport chain, which are essentially these redox centers, these complexes. And um, molecular oxygen will serve as this kind of terminal acceptor at the end of this electron transport chain. But um, the, the premature reduction of molecular oxygen within the electron transport chain that creates something called superoxide anion, which is a very potent uh, reactive oxygen species that can be very damaging throughout the body. Um, and the further reduction of, of superoxide creates things like um, hydrogen peroxide and hydroxyl radical. But these can all these can all be very damaging if left unchecked. Um, so cellular respiration um, is is one of the ways that these reactive species get get created. Another way is through immune function. So your immune system literally uses uh, these reactive species to get rid of pathogens um, and, and damaged cells and non-self, basically. So how that works is uh, you got a pathogen in your body. One of your immune cells, a neutrophil a macrophage, uh, engulfs that pathogen and uh, it uses this enzyme called NADPH oxidase, which is a, it's, it's a mouthful. It's nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide phosphate oxidase, which essentially converts molecular oxygen into these reactive species to degrade those pathogens. Um, it creates something called the oxidative respiratory burst, which is really important. Um, and eventually maybe we'll get to that. It creates something called the inflammatory barricade, which is really, really interesting topic. And maybe we can eventually get to that. But, um, the immune function uh, of your body, along with uh, cellular respiration, these are two big, uh, big producers of these, these free radicals. And uh, on the flip side, you have antioxidants, which are essentially these molecules that can donate electrons to these, these reactive species without becoming unstable themselves. And your body has its own endogenous antioxidant system. To fight off these these radicals like superoxide and, and uh, hydroxyl radical, these are things like catalase, um, superoxide dismutase. They're, those are the enzymatic anti antioxidants. You also have non-enzymatic antioxidants. These are things like glutathione, things you can get from your diet: vitamin C, vitamin E, polyphenols, things like that. But um, these these aren't as effective as uh, conducted antioxidants. These free electrons. These are bound. These are bound electrons, two molecules. So there's uh, there's some barriers that they have to they have to traverse in order to to do their job correctly. Um, but there's in in the book that I wrote, there's a big difference between bound and, and unbound electrons. So yeah, just a quick question on that because yeah, I was reading a bit about that the inflammatory barricade that you mentioned. So it's basically you know putting a hurdle in the path of like these bound electrons, these molecules that are antioxidants um, from, you know, donating a, you know, an electron and, and thus stabilizing the free radical. So is that pretty much, 
are endogenously produced antioxidants, like good or really good. And then, you know, things we consume from like food are kind of like, okay, I, I know that's obviously been overhyped. And a lot of the, uh, you know, studies done in petri cell dishes are not indicative of like, you know, what's going on in our body. There's like way more oxygen and what have you. But then these free electrons that we absorb from the earth's surface are like very mobile. So are they kind of like the best of them all. Yeah. Is that how that works? Dude, that's, or maybe that's, an amazing, that's an amazing point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's uh, so in, in the scientific literature, that's called, it's called the antioxidant paradox. So it's essentially, it's essentially how, how effective antioxidant molecules are in a Petri dish. But when you introduce them in the body, they're kind of strangely like ineffective. Um, and I believe these, uh, this inflammatory, these inflammatory barricades that kind of, that are distributed all, all throughout your body, uh, play a big, a big part of that. And, and the bound electron versus the free mobile electron, that's where a lot of that difference lies. And so these free electrons, when, you, when they come into your body, they can basically semi-conduct through your body, these, uh, uh, conductive infra- infrastructure. These are the proteins in your body along with the organized layers of water around those, uh, those proteins, which is a whole, it's a whole nother topic. Uh, it's something I refer to as the matrix. Um, but that's something that's highly, I think, neglected. It's not really talked about when people talk about grounding is this, uh, this, the semiconductive infrastructure of your body. Um, but yeah, so essentially the, the electrons from the earth can, can semiconduct and move way, way more efficiently throughout your body as opposed to these, uh, these enzymatic and, and non-enzymatic antioxidants. And that's where the big difference lies, um, as, at least as far as that the whole antioxidant paradox, paradox goes. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's so fascinating. Is it, I, I know you mentioned water, but that's like, like you said, a whole different topic. But it's, it's interesting to know how all these things uh, are coupled like with, with sunlight, helping make intracellular water, and like red light and then grounding with like taking up uh, electrons and all this stuff. It's, it's all connected. And I feel like what, what is great about conversations like this is it sort of melds all these different facets together. Whereas I feel like in the, not necessarily in the community, but in the way we compartmentalize as humans, everything lo- is looked at in such an isolated point of view. And that's why I, I thought that was a really interesting point that Tristan brought up about antioxidants because I've, I have the, of the, um, am of the same opinion with, you know, taking in antioxidants from like food and all the stuff, like while they may be okay, it's not as cracked up to be as, as they say it is. And I think that goes back to, it's easy to market things like food and polyphenols because it's sellable. Whereas like this stuff is like way, maybe like way more powerful, but you're just, no one's making, no one's selling a, I mean, you could like, you're selling a book on it. You're writing a book on it, but it's not a super popular uh, there's not much you can go. There's no, there's not a lot of room to grow where it's like, I think food is so malleable. It's free. Yeah, I it's mean, free. It's free. So, the, so the it's just so fascinating. Free. That's why I was like, I, I wanted to sort of get into maybe the nitty gritty of like, when is it good to be grounding and like taking up those electrons versus like, I think about this is to, Oh, maybe we should talk about a little bit about the, the differing surfaces uh, with grounding like dirt, to sand, to being at the beach. Because I, I know people will say like, it's very popular in these posts. They read on Twitter like, oh, ground at the beach, it's the best. But they don't really ever explain why that is. And so maybe we can talk about like yeah. the different surface types. What's the most conductive? What's the least conductive? 
and sort of the the differences in in those. Yeah, yeah. Just quick, just quickly there. I I want to just summarize oh, yeah. the the antioxidant thing because I think what you said, Ryan, is true. It's like basically, you know, supplements aren't all they're cracked up to be. You're paying a lot for like maybe not that much impact. The body has natural endogenous antioxidants, and we talked about melatonin a good amount before. How that's like way more potent um, than like a vitamin C, for example. And then you also have electrons from the earth, which you know can act as is probably the most effective and uh, antioxidant. They're free, they're mobile, they're available, and it costs you zero dollars. So yeah, I think that's the takeaway is like antioxidant supplements aren't always, you know, you know, they're very marketed people. And uh, again, the earth is, this is stuff well, is free. I, so, but yeah, let's talk about surfaces. Oh, no, I was just saying, think about it. Like everything, like, uh, like Rob mentioned a bunch from like superoxide dismutase, uh, glutathione, uh, like you just mentioned like melatonin, you had a really good thread on melatonin and how it's like a thousand like percent better than vitamin C or whatever and all this stuff, like all the really, really good mm-hmm. ones. And this is even broadly spoken about, like glutathione's talked about like endlessly, I swear, over the last like 10 years. And like even superoxide dismutase, you make all those. And and those are the best, they even openly say yeah. those are the best ones, but you make all of them within yourself. It's not, not, not that it's exogenous. So it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And and you could supplement yeah. with like liposomal, like glutathione and all that to like get it more absorbed. But really you want to focus on yeah. increasing endogenous production. And going back to, well, you know what Rob was saying about this antioxidant paradox is, you know, people think that like chronic disease is like, oh, if we just quench all the reactive oxygen species, no more disease. But like, that's not how that works because ROSs are actually important signaling molecules too in the mitochondria. They're, you know, if you do come across like a virus, like ROSs will signal your innate immune system to respond. So like you need, it's really about like homeostasis and that's the whole beauty of like grounding is there's, you know, electrons go where they're, they're needed most. And when you have this just natural flow from the earth, you're able to maintain that homeostasis easier than just like nuking, you know, yourself with a supplement and who knows what that's going to do. But, and it's also people don't ask the important questions, which are the questions that I want to be asking today in the show are like, are why, like, why are these things happening? Why is it important? Because it's like, yeah, it's like you mentioned Mm -hmm. supplementing glutathione or whatever it's, but why does your glutathione suck in the first place? We, we sort of have that same mentality. Just want, they just want yeah. the fix, man. hundred yeah. bucks. Give me the fix. But yeah, you, yeah you, let's, I don't know how can, or Rob, sorry. Yeah, you, let you, you, you both bring up like super awesome points. Like this is probably like, you guys probably have the best questions like thus far, like in the best points since I've, I've been, <laughs> I, since I've done podcasts. Um, but uh, yeah, going back to the, what Tristan said um, with the antioxidant paradox, a lot of, a lot of these trials with antioxidants didn't—they don't have very good outcomes. Like they're—they're they're potentially like even increasing your risk of cancer because um, a lot of people when they think inflammation, oxidative stress, like oh these things are awful, but they're really really useful. They're really beneficial for your body. Your body's not going to have these sort of these sort of mechanisms that aren't beneficial and aren't useful for your body. So you don't want to get rid of them. You just want to get rid of when it becomes excessive. That's what you want to moderate. And then uh, going back to what Ryan said, grounding, it takes, it takes things from so many different directions, physics, uh, biochemistry, 
geology, um, uh, cos- cosmology. There's there's so many different things going on, and that's why writing uh, Earth and Water was kind of difficult. Is because like you kind of got to know a little bit about everything, and then you're kind of throwing it all together. So um, yeah, those are those are awesome points. So. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10 for 10% off your first order. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I struggle with this because I've, I had like no biological, uh, biology backgrounds. And, you know, five years ago, you started listening to Ben Greenfield. And like, yeah, they're talking about like superoxide dismutase and they just throw around acronyms. It's like, yeah, it's pretty hard, but I think I'm finally like getting that grasp. And then now it's like, all right, let's get back to physics. Um, yeah, really quick side these? note, how is his book? Did you read his book? Which one? Boundless. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, what that one came out is like a it's massive. It's like a coffee table <laughs> like weight, and uh, it's a good resource. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I don't think I ever read it like cover to cover because you literally can't even pick it up. It's like fucking eight pounds, yeah. <laughs> but it's a a great it's a great resource for like everything. If you want to like you know you have an issue and you want to like look up something, I, I think it's good. But he he's kind of a bit extreme for me now. I mean, dude's like doing melatonin suppositories and all this. It's just a lot of biohacking and he's uh, you know, he's he's kind of got like a an interesting kind of bro bro voice too. So it's a little. Yeah. It's hard to kind of listen to a little bit. And now, actually, just I stopped listening to him. And I just listened to a podcast recently, and he got like one of these fancy heart scans done that um, said he had like all this arterial calcification. And now he's like super concerned. He's like going to take us, or he's going to do like a couple months of natural like calcification supplements. And then if that doesn't work, he's going to like take a statin. Um, so it's interesting because he, he attributed to his like really intense Ironman, uh, training, uh, days, which is probably true. Um, but at the end of the Fun day, story you know, on arterial, uh, calcification, uh, Stephen Hussey, who we had on the podcast, one of, <laughs> he, he's, uh, he, he probably, oh, yeah. he wrote a book called understanding the heart that I think everyone should read. I, th- I think it's a good, really like open-ended, like if you know nothing about like heart health or any of this stuff, like this will just blow your mind and just completely unlearn everything you've ever thought about heart health. But he mentions like things like grounding infrared sauna and sunlight and all these things in there on a very basic high level. But one of his radical stories is he had uh, atherosclerosis in his leg, in the artery in his leg, and he reversed that doing all of these things that we're sort of talking about today, um, including things like infrared sauna and stuff like that. But it it was pretty interesting because I feel like that's one of the most impressive like healing stories I've heard from a heart perspective and, and implementing things like grounding and, and sunlight. So kind of cool. We can, and we can well, totally what? talk about like uh, heart health uh, down yeah. the line. Yeah, um, let's do it. I was about to say, I, well, let's, let's, I wanted to get to, to yeah. Ryan's yeah. question really quick. Cause this, this is a, yeah, this is a really quick answer. Uh, surfaces where like, where are you grounded? Like the most common questions that I always get in my messages, am I grounded here? And then how long do I ground? I hate um, that one. This is like two <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the and that's like a super easy answer too it's honestly a google search away um so 
you know, all you, you search up uh, what kind of what kind of surface is this? What's it made of? Is it conductive? Yes, I'm grounded. Is it non-conductive? I'm not grounded. So conductor, it's all about conductors, insulators. Um, and then so what a conductor is, um, Tristan, you, you know, all this stuff, Ryan, you probably know this stuff, too. These these are materials that that um, they don't hold on to their electrons very well. And so elect- electrical energy can can pass through it pretty easily. Uh, insulators, they hold on to their their electrons really tight. And so it's hard for for electrical energy to get through it. Semiconductors are, are right They're They're not. Um, they're not insulating enough to be insulators. They're not conduct- conductive enough to be conductors. But semiconductors can have conductivities way higher than conductors, especially if you dope them, if you introduce impurities into them, silicon, germanium. But uh, really, honestly, it's, it's, it's a Google search away. What kind of service am I standing on? Is it conductive? Yeah, I'm grounded. Um, if it's, you know, and a, a good example, uh, I'm on the beach. I'm grounded. Not necessarily. Uh, sand is really, really dry. Um, if you're really close to the water, yeah, and, and there's a little bit more moisture in that sand, you're probably grounded. But like as you kind of get further, further um, close to the mainland, uh, that sand starts to get really dry. There's a lot of air in there, which is really insulating. Um, but really, it just comes down to what am I standing on? Am I standing on an insulating material? Am I standing on a conductive material? So that's really easy for people to kind of look yeah, up. And, and this is like, and I tell people that too, but this is like sort of a, like a semi follow-up. Um, and I don't even know if there's like a hundred percent clear answer, but like, for instance, like I always think about when should I be grounding and when is it good to like actually have a rubber sole on? So like inside, I'm like doing the opposite of what everyone would normally do. Like inside, I'm like wearing rubber soles. I don't be grounded to anything. In, in my house. So like if you have like a cemented basement, for instance, with no like carpeting or any of that stuff, like should you be wearing shoes inside? Because you're also surrounded by all this dirty electricity. So it's like, are you grounding with the dirty electricity or are you grounding with the earth in that situation? So I love your, I just want your thoughts on that really quick. Cause I, I just, people ask me that and I don't exactly know what to tell them. My rule of thumb generally is just like inside, I just wear shoes generally. Cause I just, I yeah. think there's just so much crap around anyways. Um, Tristan, I don't know. You might think differently. Uh, I think if, if it's cement, um, I think you're, you're probably fine. So like, let's, so what is, what is cement? It's mostly mineral. It's mostly water, um, which, which can be conductive, especially if you get it wet. Um, I think that's fine for grounding. Um, Another another common one that kind of get, gets mixed up with cement is asphalt. And what is asphalt? It's ma- it's mainly this this petroleum based polymer, which is very it's very insulating. Um, I I think it's I think it's okay. I think it'll work. Really, it just comes down to using your voltmeter. Like, is this is this actually grounding me? Um, and the voltmeter is kind of a it's a big the multimeter is a, is a big uh, something that people are sharing a lot lately and it's really cool because then you're actually seeing the real time effects of, of what grounding is doing to your body. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, I did basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just I just yeah. no, I know what to tell people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well, I think the dirty electricity is an interesting point, Ryan, and it's it's really hard to say because you know what. Like if you're grounded, 
yeah, what are you grounded to is basically kind of your point. But then at the same time, you know, you're being exposed to all these like non-native EMFs in your house. And, and we could definitely talk about there, that. There's but. a there's a couple things. So that's like three. That's like a bunch of different yeah, topics yeah. right there. I kind of want to go yeah. back. I want to go back to what Ryan mentioned earlier. If you guys wanted to talk about heart health, it'll be interesting to know, like, if any of this kind of aligns with what. Um, what did you say that guy's name was? Uh, Stephen Hussey. Dr. Stephen Hussey. Stephen Hussey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So grounding, uh, the, the cardio as- cardiovascular aspect of grounding is, is really, really interesting. Um, there, there are um, various different things that grounding impacts as far as the cardiovascular system goes. And a big, a big part of that is blood, blood viscosity, um, and which is a highly neglected uh, factor that contributes to, to cardiovascular disease. So uh, the late Stephen Sinatra, he, he was a kind of a big pioneer as far as heart health and grounding. Uh, he passed away in the, in the last, uh, I believe the last one or the last year or two. But uh, he basically said that the thick blood, thick, clumpy blood is inflamed. It's inflamed blood. So one of the, one of the big ways that grounding impacts the cardiovascular system, and you've likely seen this all over the internet, especially kind of in our space is Zeta potential. Um, Zeta potential is, is really, it's a really important aspect of, of colloid science. But um, so your red blood cells, they, they have this kind of negative, uh, negative cloud of charge around them. And that's due to these sialic acid residues. They're, they're glycoproteins and glycolipids on their, on their um, cell membrane. And so that can, that can deteriorate when you're insulated. So that charge goes down. And so your red blood cells aren't able to repel each other um, as efficiently. And this makes the blood uh, thicker. It makes it more viscous. And what is viscosity? It's, it's essentially the thickness of a fluid. So like on one end, you have water. Um, it's, it's not very viscous. It's runny. And then you have hyperviscous uh, substances like, uh, like honey. Um, so if I have a hose... Uh, in one hand and a hose in another, I have water in one hose, honey in the other. What's going to flow easier? What's going to flow more efficiently? It's the water. So grounding, essentially, it, it, it puts blood where it needs to be as far as viscosity. Because when the blood's really thick, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of endothelial dysfunction, but that's a common precursor to a lot of metabolic conditions, especially heart disease. So when the blood's thick, your heart's got to work a lot harder to get it through the circulatory system. That creates a lot of mechanical damage to that endothelial wall. Um, so, wh- why does the blood? Why does this red blood cell uh, zeta potential deteriorate? Uh, oxidative stress is a big one. These these reactive oxygen species can deteriorate that uh, that that red blood cell membrane charge, and along with that, glycation, uh, hyperglycemia, having a lot of sugar in your blood. What's that common? Diabetes. That's another way diabetes and cardiovascular disease are so closely related is through that zeta potential, which is found to be uh, really, really low in people with diabetes. Um, but uh, yeah, so blood viscosity is, is a big one. Uh, grounding has been shown to um, significantly reduce systolic blood pressures. Um, it's so it's so effective that you literally have to you have to watch if you're taking like anticoagulants like warfarin, comedin, you have to, because you don't want your blood to be too runny, too, too, too thin. And then you start to affect your blood, your blood clotting abilities. But uh, 
yeah, the, the zeta potential is a big one. Um, circulation, you look at thermograms of people that are grounded, uh, and you've likely seen those on the internet too. Uh, their circulation just gets so much better. And then on a thermogram as well, uh, you can see areas of inflammation a lot better because there's more heat in that area. There's more blood flow. And so it kind of shows up as this hot spot in the body. And so these before and after pictures, they'll, they'll essentially just show you um, that those, those hot spots kind of diminish. Um, but uh, yeah, grounding has, has a lot of implications as far as preventing uh, cardiovascular disease and, and treating. And I think it should certainly be included in treatment plans. I'm not a doctor, but uh, just from common sense, I feel like that should be uh, a viable tool to utilize. So. Yeah. And so the way I look at it too, is like, there's literally no downside to like being outside touching dirt, like pretty much like just yeah. touching the ground. There's, there's no, I, I kind of explained to people is like the worst thing that could happen is you feel similar or the same. So it's like, there's no, you're not taking any crazy supplement that could have an interaction with whatever you're just outside in nature. And that's just beneficial all around, generally speaking. I'm I'm sort of curious your thoughts on, uh, not your thoughts, but just like what you've learned about, um, ah, now we, we've reached the, we've reached the webcam, the webcam battery death. Oh, new one in. I heard everything you said. I, I heard everything no, That was you good. Said, that was though. a fast swap. Uh, this is maybe the quickest I've seen. <laughs> Dude, I had it ready. This man, is, like fast. Right here. This man um, is fast. Really quick. I, so like Ryan, you seemed really interested with water mm-hmm. earlier. So uh, a really interesting thing about the cardiovascular system. So the red blood cells, um, when they're in the capillaries, these red blood cells are like way bigger than these capillaries. And so they kind of got to fold and bend to get through the circulatory system. And I believe it was Gerald Pollack mm-hmm. that said, um, he, was, he was noting somebody, uh, one of these scientists, and he said that. Uh, in order for the circulatory system to squeeze these red blood cells through the capillaries, the heart would need like a million times uh, more more pressure to get the the red blood cells through the circulatory system. So water plays a big part in that, and big part in blood flow. And that's that's a whole different uh, conversation about water. Maybe we can eventually get to that. But I want to let's uh, let's keep going with this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating, and and yeah, we could queue up water next because it's all connected. I think in this, you know, electromagnetic realm of of health that people can't really wrap their head around. But for me, yeah, it's like the uh, the heart, especially just the whole cardiovascular system is is kind of like the you know, I mean, it's the most mitochondrial dense tissue. It's uh, you know so important, like you're saying, to have this like proper blood flow. It's the thing that people freak out about the most because you know what have you there's you know people dying left and right apparently from being jabbed or you know just overdoing (laughs) it you know we talk about ben greenfield kind of just over pushing uh you know his heart again this arterial calcification for so long yeah like brian's saying i think it's just a no-brainer and to me it's fascinating and maybe just a side question is like you know how much do you attribute like a lot of these like modern chronic diseases to you know just being like totally disconnected to to nature and and to the earth you like i think it's like a big part of the equation but of course you know things like you know a terrible diet and you know just um lack of exercise but if you think about it that's all that's still all, all connections. the modern toxins it's still all disconnection 
Yeah, no, I yeah, that that's fair. But I'm just curious on on how you maybe convince people that you know something as easy as grounding could like prevent them from having a heart attack because that's like a pretty substantial statement to make. And you know, how, if you can't feel it, like you're saying, Ryan, you might not feel any better or worse. Do you tell them to just like go measure their blood pressure before and after? Like, how do you convince them? to like really get on board um yeah and i i I always say this uh, if i'm ever on a podcast grounding isn't the one all be all it's not going to cure everything but it's i think it's one of the most underlooked underlooked factors of health like we kind of we're dialed in on the nutrition the exercise and all that but we kind of forget about that our bodies are electrical and we need we need that constant electrical stability and balance in order to, to function optimally. So it's it's not the key to being healthy, but it's one of the keys. And it's it's one of the keys that we've just neglected for a really, really long time. And it's, it's starting to gain some some headway now. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly a hidden a hidden variable uh, insulation. Uh, it's certainly a hidden variable contributing to a lot of the the common ailments that are, that are plaguing society today. Um, but you know, and I, I say hidden variable and this, this brings up another interesting topic. I don't know if you guys would be interested in this, but, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think we've been studying like normal, normal organisms. Um, so it, when we, when we, we do a lot of our studies on, on insulated organisms and an insulated organism operates differently than an, than a, than a grounded organism. Uh, their immune systems function differently. Literally the whole, the whole organism just functions differently. And so if all of these studies that we've done are based on these insulated organisms, do we really know how the body operates in its most natural, normal state? Like, I think that's really, really important for, for a lot of these scientists to realize. And hopefully it leads to kind of the implementation of a standard, standardized electrical environment in these studies, because a lot of the studies I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure thus far have been on insulated organisms. And that has like some serious implications as far as the results and the replicability of those studies. Um, but yeah, I thought that might have been cool too. No, yeah, no. Me and Tristan actually talk about this quite a lot about how we get annoyed with people uh, who always comment, like, cite the study of blah, like that says this thing. And the problem is like, I, I, I mean, I find so many studies. I mean, this goes into diet too, where you can find one study that says this is bad. And then another study says this is good. There's a lot of factors in these studies that can go back to who funded it. What was the result that they wanted? Um, and then also like the control. And I think the issue with these studies is like you said, not only are they in sort of like that insulated electrical environment, but they're also generally speaking in a lab surrounded by artificial light. Um, like, uh, I think it was Jack Cruz who says like nature is like the ultimate like study because that's where everything is like meant to be. So it's like, you got to kind of take all this stuff with a grain of salt. It's the same with blood work. I mean, the blood work is what we've, what we've discerned to be like good blood work is based on a national average of your community. But when the community is predominantly metabolically unhealthy, how well, like what is optimal within that range? Not just like, are you in that range? And so that's like a 
that's like all these similar things. So it's like when you look at the data, I think the data could be important, but it's like only one piece of like what I consider optimal. It's like, it's like everyone that's ever sick comes to me and they're like, yeah, I've gone to a thousand doctors and they keep saying I'm normal. All my blood works normal. Well, yeah, but you still feel like shit. So obviously something's not right. So it only goes so far. That's why I can only take so many things with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's wild, and I, I I came across this the other day when I was like debating these Ray Pete clowns on <laughs> on Twitter because they were like saying how bad fasting is or something like that, uh, and I and then I go and look at all the res all the research on fasting is done with like fat people with obese people to like help them lose weight, and yeah, of course you know, they're already in this oxidative stress environment and then you're putting another stressor on them. Like it, it might not be, you know, a great idea or there's just going to be a, an additive effect. Whereas I found the only study I could find that's compared somewhat healthy people to obese people and then they both fasted was like out of Lithuania, but I was like, I'll take it. And the healthier group, which was weight amateur weightlifters, actually had a, you know, neutral effect on oxidative stress and a shift to a more parasympathetic state. Whereas the obese people had, you know, uh, increased effect of like the sympathetic nervous system. So and it was just a short term fast, like two days, not like all these studies are like super long term. So I think how many subjects are being, you know, tested that are, like you're saying, are, are grounded, are actually healthy. And, and that's when I hear about, you know, all these, you know, mm-hmm. jab injuries. And, and maybe we could talk about COVID for a second is, uh, oh, they're perfectly healthy. Yeah. LeBron James's son, perfectly healthy. I fucking doubt it. Um, the kid's probably on his phone, disconnected, completely insulated, um, you know, on his phone 24-7, just like, yeah, eating like crap too, but like not getting any natural light. I mean, African-Americans like need way more, you know, sunshine than, than, than we do. So it's just like, it's very ignorant. But the one thing that I saw on your site that was super cool I didn't know is that there are actual studies showing the benefits of grounding or earthing for COVID, which is kind of cool. Um, maybe you could talk about that for a little bit or in general, how it could potentially help like vi- against viruses and, and for the immune system. Yeah. And, and before we get to that, uh, you did bring up a really good point. My whole takeaway with everything that we just talked about is that norms are skewed. Norms are based on unhealthy people. And so just because like it's considered the norm, it's considered healthy. That's for an unhealthy person. So, um, but, um, yeah, so the, the COVID thing, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, and I'm not, I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a virologist, so I can't, I can't really speculate on these things too much, but, uh, yeah, ground. So things like, uh, coronaviruses, they, these are, these are pH dependent viruses. So they depend on an acidic respiratory tract in order to infect host cells and so when you ground, these electrons basically infiltrate your body and uh, they get in. One of the ways they get in is through the respiratory tract. And so when you ground, it's essentially alkalizing the respiratory tract, which um, hinders the, 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 the virus uh, infecting your body. So that was one of the studies I think that you're referring to. 
as far as gro- how grounding affects uh, viral infection. So that's that's in uh, the pH dependent um, host infection. That's that's pretty common in, in coronaviruses. But um, along with that uh, grounding, it's it's been shown to to augment the gamma globulin response or the immunoglobulin, which are basically your antibodies. Um, and, you know, on top of that, uh, a lot of what they attribute uh, how COVID affects the body is through what's called the cytokine storm, which is basically this big, excessive uh, inflammatory response to, to the virus. Um, that grounding, I mean, can for sure, can for sure help with. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's as much as I know about it. There's, there's speculation that, uh, you know, grounding can, can alkalize the lysosomal environment, uh, or not the lysosomal, the endosomal environment. So when, when host cells kind of take up that virus, and this is one of the ways that viruses kind of hijack your body is they use that endosomal environment to basically uncoat themselves and infect your cells. And, and, I've, I've read that grounding alkalizes, and this is just completely, completely speculation, but it, it alkalizes that endosomal environment. So it, it hinders the whole infection process, but that's, as, that's about as much as I know, as far as, um, as far as hindering viral, viral infection. It's fascinating, really. I mean, I, the, the way I've looked at like how you take care of yourself when you're sick is almost completely different than I think most of us grow up thinking about how you take care of yourself when you're sick. Like, most of the times like you lay in bed and like eat Campbell's soup or something like that. And that's like how you get better. Like literally like when I get sick, like I had a, I had like a 24 hour bug like a couple weeks ago. I literally was just outside all day. Like I wasn't like in direct sunlight all day, but I was like outside shifted from like over here in direct sunlight to like under a tree. And I basically just sat out there, drink tons of broth. Uh, just anything I can stomach. And I, I got better like day. Like I was better the next day basically. But I mean, it's hard to say the, the, the place I've come, it's hard to say ever one thing causes one thing to happen like completely because it's like we've talked about earlier. It's like, it's usually, um, multiple things that create health. It's never like one aspect. You may be lacking in an aspect more than another one. Um, but it's the combination of all these things that I think creates your resilience um, and I was going to bring up too, because we're talking about benefits and, and health outcomes and stuff is for me, I have a nervous system disorder background. So like I was diagnosed with autoimmune small fiber neuropathy in 2019. Um, and I've like drastically improved all those things, but that was never from like one, I was never one of those people that like, oh, I changed my diet to this and it was like gone in three weeks. Like you read in the in the forums or whatever, in a carnivore group or whatever like that. I was never one of those people. I literally did a hundred different things, I feel like. And I couldn't tell you what one made the game changer for me. It was probably a combination of all of them and then building resilience over time. But um, I do notice that one of my issues, and I think this is a predominant issue in modern society, is we are wired all the time. We're stuck in a sympathetic fight or flight state probably most of the time due to work stress, life stress, just modern environment, um, all those sort of things. And I've found for me that even, I've even noticed it in the last hour, like I came out and I was kind of wired. I was kind of doing a bunch of work before and I, I've calmed down like dramatically just being outside. And I do know that grounding can have a positive effect on your parasympathetic state. And so I'd love to know like some more, maybe like 
more in-depth knowledge about how it affects your nervous system because that's sort of like what my background is all in. It's like nervous system stuff. And the people that approach me are all interested in that. So I know it can have like a profound effect over long periods of time. Yeah. So, um, so where grounding comes into that is in the autonomic nervous system, which I'm sure you're, you're very much familiar with, which is split up into the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system. So how do we, how do we figure out if grounding is impacting the balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic and, and really quick people that are listening, sympathetic is your kind of your fight or flight, your parasympathetic is your what do they say? Rest and digest. Um, and these are, these are involuntary, these are involuntary functions that the autonomic nervous system, uh, kind of has control over. So how can we see, how can we see that? And, and a couple of different ways that we can see that, or at least not see that, but measure it is through vagal tone and HRV. So vagal tone is, is essentially the status of your vagal nerve. Um, and, that is one of your, it's one of your cranial, one of your cranial nerves. And how do you assess vagal tone? Uh, a big way is through HRV, which is heart rate variability, which is something that a lot of people track, um, but they might not know like fully what, what that entails. So heart rate variability is, it's kind of like the name, kind of like the name sounds. It's, it's the interval in time in between each heart rate. And, um, you want that to be, you want it to be high because that essentially tells, that essentially tells the clinician that your body is adapting very well to its environment. If it's kind of just this one really stagnant um, uh, time interval in between each heart rate, in between each heartbeat, uh, it's, it's essentially telling people that your body isn't adapting very well to its environment. It's not, it's not equipped to deal with stress. You're very vulnerable to stress. Um, so a big thing, one of the things that are, that's, that's, uh, measured in people that ground is their HRV. So when you, when you measure HRV, they'll look, they'll typically look at the power spectrum, which is the high frequencies, the low frequencies and the very low frequencies. But where our concern, uh, lies is in the high frequencies component of that power spectrum, which, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system contributes to greatly. So, and it's, and it's been found that people, so like control versus ground, uh, there's a, there's a 60%, um, increase in, in those high frequencies and people that ground versus like a 30% increase in the control. So it's essentially doubling that parasympathetic response when you ground. So it's like a relaxation overdrive, but, um, yeah. So what, what grounding is essentially doing for your, your, your brain, your nervous system is it's bringing you right back into the middle. So most people are on this side, sympathetic. They're always, they're always wired. They're always stressed. Um, cortisol is a big part of that. But what, and I talked about this uh, a, a few days ago. So groundings, it's not going to take you in one specific direction. It's not going to take you like just towards sympathetic. It's going to take you towards the middle because you don't want to be just on, on one side. So if grounding is going to attenuate or augment something, it's because that something was out of whack. And so the whole grounding is not enhancing anything. It's just bringing you back to a state of default, a state of normal. But uh, vagal tone and, uh, and, and they've looked at, they've looked at uh, infants, these preterm infants with necrotizing enterocolitis, 
which is essentially this this deadly uh, this deadly condition of of the intestines. And these are so these these infants they're they're in an environment that's there's a lot of electrical equipment. There's a lot of EMFs um, that they're they're exposed to, and this has been found to decrease their vagal tone, which means they're more vulnerable to stress and they're more vulnerable to these conditions like necrotizing enterocolitis. Uh, and they found that um, grounding reduces uh, or no increases the vagal tone, which is shown by their HRV. And not only that, they found an inverse relationship between the induced body voltage uh, on your body that's measurable and vagal tone. So as body voltage goes down, vagal tone goes up. So essentially, yeah, you're, 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 you're going into a state of vagal healing because when people think of vagal, vagal tone and, and stimulating the vagal nerve, they think anti-inflammatory, uh, which is, it's, it's very mu- that's very much what's happening. So um, really, really cool stuff as far as the brain goes. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. I know probably both Ryan and I used to track our HRV pretty regularly. I might throw the old aura ring. Back I found mine and it does not fit my finger anymore. I have to get like a new one. <laughs> yeah. I, got I got fat fingers. Did you I, I did though. I gained like, I've gained like, I think since a year ago, like 10 pounds or something, which is good. Like, but like still. Nice. <laughs> it's yeah, like, that's good. I, I, it's so frustrating because like that's, I got to get funny. a whole new one to track this thing. Um, but this is the other thing you mentioned conversation like this is the best probably the conversation <laughs> i've had about grounding in a long time so thank you guys for putting well, this together <laughs> oh yeah man and we're, we're still gonna keep going yeah, so for sure. um you mentioned cortisol i think cortisol is a big one yeah. that people talk about with grounding um i think Cortisol for me is very misunderstood by the average person i think um and grounding the research behind it helps drive home what it actually is. Um, so people think cortisol is bad straight up. They just think stress hormone, stress is bad. Um, but in reality, it's probably one of the most important hormones in our body. It's just the fact that it's, you know, dysregulated, like the rhythm of it is off. Um, and of course, that coincides with melatonin. So these studies have shown that, right, like grounding regulates the cortisol production and I'm curious as to why you think that is and why grounding is beneficial to like our circadian rhythm overall. Um, cause I have my ideas. Um, and I'm curious what you think, or you want to add more color to that, you know, how grounding and earthing being connected is, is beneficial for circadian rhythm and also just regulating stress hormones. Yeah, uh, grounding has definitely been shown to regulate not only cortisol, but melatonin, melatonin production. Um, so the, the body, it releases cortisol in, in a, a pretty typical pattern throughout the day. It's highest in the, in the morning, which makes sense. You want to be alert around the time you're, you're waking up. And then it kind of diminishes as the, as the day ends. And that's when you want to be sleeping. And so... They look at uh, they look at these circadian cortisol secretions and people that are grounded. So in 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 the pre pre experiment, um, if you look at a graph, their cortisol secretions are just all over the place. And then after they ground, a few I think it's like a few months, um, you'll see you'll see the 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 standard kind of rise in the morning. It just kind of it synchronizes back to how it's supposed to be. Um, 
but yeah, so cortisol, I think it, it's a steroid hormone. It's a, it's a glucocorticoid. It's regulated by the HPA axis. Um, so, and it's actually, it's, it's, it acts as anti-inflammatory at low levels. Um, but in high levels, it can be, it can be very pro pro-inflammatory, but, um, you're a part of your, your circadian rhythm is just having these, these cortisol secretions in line with how they're supposed to be. That allows your body to wake up when it's supposed to and go to sleep when it's supposed to. And a lot of people, when they get jet lag or something like that, that those circadian cortisol secretions are just out of whack and they're not, they're not synced up with the earth's natural geomagnetic electric field. And so that's why they always tell you to ground wherever, wherever you go, you get off a long flight, you're in a different time zone. That's, that's part of that. That's playing into that. And on top of that, uh, melatonin, um, which is released by the, the pineal gland, um, super, super, really, there's really, really cool effects of, of melatonin. It's very anti-inflammatory. It's anti, anti-cancer, um, anti-carcinogenic, carcinogenic, um, but what they found as far as the melatonin goes too, uh, there's, there was like a 20% improvement in the production of melatonin and people that, people that ground. Um, and not a lot of people know that because that's in an unpublished study. So I don't like to, I don't like to reference it too much. I have it in the book, but, um, that, yeah, when I was doing my research, it was, uh, it was, it was unpublished. I don't know if it was just like a bad study but they did, they did, uh, I did find the, the results of it hidden somewhere. So, uh, grounding certainly regulates cortisol and melatonin secretion. Uh, the melatonin is, is, um, not as concrete, but to me it would make sense. So. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, kind of what you just said that I want to spike out is the connection to the earth's like, you know, geomagnetic field is really the key point there because if we're it's an input signal right like we talk about light light is an input signal that drives biology so is the earth's you know inherent electromagnetic field and if we are connected to the earth we will be in rhythm with our natural biological cycles and that's the takeaway i don't yeah i don't need a study to tell me that like grounding is going to improve like melatonin cortisol rhythms well i know if it improves cortisol rhythms i can like make that connection that like it's going to improve melatonin rhythms too because they're they're literally just the antithesis of each other Mm -hmm. um so yeah and that just coincides with you know everything we talk about it's like just think of your body as an input, you know, it's, it's like a computer program, right? It's electromagnetic and light is an input. The earth is an input. You want these signals. And yeah, if you just bop across the world to Europe, you, yeah, that's why grounding is so effective at reducing jet lag. So you guys probably, you guys probably know a lot, a lot more about the pine. I, there's a lot of esoteric knowledge out there on the pineal gland uh, that I'm not, I'm not oh, yeah. fully yeah. in tune with. Well, mel- <laughs> melatonin is cool because only like less than 5% of melatonin is, is produced in the pineal gland. Actually, like every, you know, cell or area tissue in our body besides like the blood yeah. like produces melatonin. It has its whole own other functions as well. Um, mitochondrial. Um, super, super important. From what I, from what I learned, um, the... And they put it really cool. It's the pineal gland kind of acts as a transducer. And Tristan, mm-hmm. you're probably pretty familiar with, with transducer. Um, so it basically converts light, uh, ele- electromagnetic fields um, into into these uh, these hormone these hormone secretions. So it's it's really 
it's a really interesting mechanism how the how the pineal gland works. Exactly. Well, the pineal is not photo like uh, it's not photoreceptive like on its own, mm-hmm. so it gets the signal from your eyes and then pretty much like, yeah, then you release like, uh, what norepinephrine, I think, uh, and that either down regulates melatonin up regulates cortisol or, or vice versa. Um, well for the pineal specifically melatonin. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's so fascinating and we're just getting scratching the surface with all these things, but I guess, you know, it's really just thinking of ourselves as like these electromagnetic beings. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Maybe next is like, you know, the artificial version of that, yeah. right? You know, we're talking about a little bit about EMFs, dirty electricity. Ryan and I talk about non-native EMFs quite a bit. Um, it's probably the most pervasive environmental toxin that nobody cares about. And I mean, you see RFK going on Joe Rogan and he's like, the Wi-Fi in this room is making the blood brain barrier permeable in, right now. He's like, Jamie... Jamie, look that up. Jamie. <laughs> Pull it up, Jamie. Is that, oh, shit. That's true. You know? So, yeah, like, non-native EMFs are, are crazy. And uh, they're everywhere. And I think people need to focus more on the solutions and mitigation tactics. But to me, it seems like grounding is a big one for, for that as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the topic next. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, EMFs are all the rage right now, uh, non-natural and then slash EMFs. Um, so the the one that's of most concern to people um, in, in the health sphere is um, the extremely low frequency EMFs and radio frequencies, which are on the end of the, the electromagnetic spectrum with longer longer wavelengths. So on, on the side that we're concerned with, we're looking at longer wavelengths. On the other side, you have the ionizing radiation, the gamma, uh, the x-rays and the ultraviolet and all that. But um, so these extremely low frequency. So when people think radiation, they think, you know, bad, it's not good, but you know, radiation just means giving off. So everything is giving off some type of radiation and, and some of it's, it's man-made, which is, uh, what a lot of our modern appliances give off our wiring, our power lines and all that. That's the, the 50 to 60 Hertz alternating currents that power a lot of what, um, our, our equipment utilizes. And so when, when these, um, these 50 to 60 Hertz alternating currents power, the stuff that we use, they give off these these EMF, these, these electromagnetic fields, these extremely low frequency electromagnetic fields that induce a body voltage or induce a voltage on our bodies. That's, that's measurable. Um, and radio frequencies, uh, do the same thing radio. So radio frequencies are what you'll find in like wireless communication equipment, like phones and laptops and all that. Uh, but they'll vault, they both will induce a, a voltage on your body. Uh, which is not good. Um, so, and it's really interesting. So, if you if you pull up PubMed, you pull up PubMed right now, and you and you look at um, all the the publications and everything on it, um, you'll it's it's interesting because you'll find quite quite a bit of differing opinions. It's there. It's so it's there's it's so differing that you're not going to find a consensus on it. A lot of people say awful for your health. Some people say 
It's not really going to do anything. Don't worry about it. I think it's definitely affecting your health. But uh, again, like in, in the literature, there's really no consensus. Uh, the World Health Organization, which you know everybody has their opinions about, they, they, they consider it a class, class 2B carcinogen, which is possibly carcinogenic. Um, and even then, that's enough for me to, to want to avoid uh, being close to these, these things that give off this type of radiation, uh, this man-made, these man-made electromagnetic fields. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and the body is, it's always, it's always going to be exposed to electromagnetic fields. EMFs literally permeate every aspect of the known universe. Um, but so, but these particular EMFs, um, you're going to be better off just kind of distancing yourself away from them because the further away you get from them, the less effects they have on your body. Even, you know, even if there's no consensus on it right now in the literature, I mean, I believe, I believe they, they, they thoroughly affect health, um, even at low levels, um, you know, particularly magnetic fields. So it's been shown that, you know, levels of up to as low as like two milligauss, which is a very low magnetic, magnetic power can, can affect cells and culture uh, can affect fetuses. Um, and it's been shown that people that work in these high, high, um, highly electrical environments in the electrical industry, there's a higher incidence of leukemia. And that's, that's pretty well documented. That's pretty well documented in the literature. But um, so, and the, the, the common assertion with uh, EMFs is that grounding reduces EMFs. Um, and that's, that's something you hear pretty often, but that's, that's partially true. It's not fully true. This is a chapter I actually struggled with writing, with writing a lot because there's so much conflicting information out there. Um, I think you're better off, you know, keeping your distance from, from these things that create these, these kinds of, these kinds of radiation. But, um, where, where grounding plays into this conversation is that, uh, so, when you, and I'm in my house and there are things that aren't necessarily, they're not turned on, but they're still, they're still emitting, they're still emitting electric fields because it's that mere voltage difference that's going to create electric fields in my home. And it's when that current starts to flow, that's when it starts to create a magnetic field. Um, so the electric field, yeah. so you guys know who Richard Feynman is? Yeah, so pretty much considered like the Einstein of the second half of the 20th century. And he talked about this in his lectures, but uh, he essentially said that when the body is, is grounded to the earth, it, extent, it essentially becomes an extension of the earth's electric field that kind of redirects electric fields away from the body, um, but not the magnetic fields. You can't repel magnetic fields. Tristan, you probably know that. You need like you need very particular materials to deflect magnetic fields. So it's redirecting the electric fields. But at the same time, even if you're exposed to the magnetic fields, this can induce a current. That's Faraday's law of induction. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's counteracting some of it. But like, is it really... You know, is it really kind of, is it blunting the full force of the EMFs? That's where I kind of sit on the spectrum with that. Um, but yeah, and 
they call it they call it the umbrella effect. But I think grounding is really useful for for redirecting electric fields, not so much the magnetic side of things, which are equally as damaging, I think. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was a very challenging chapter, right? <laughs> Wow. Wasn't that just the most fascinating conversation you ever did hear about touching your feet to the earth? I'm going to go do it right now. Unfortunately, we had so much information, we had to split it into two parts. So thank you for joining us on Decentralized Radio and make sure to subscribe to get the next one.